Hey everyone, this is Simon Scriver. And I'm Jen Love. And you are very welcome to uh, the first episode of The Vulnerable Fundraiser. Jen, how are you? I'm vulnerable. How are you, Simon? I, I, well, you're always quite vulnerable. I'm, I, yeah, you know me. I'm always uh, circling the drain. I'm always close to the edge of losing it. Um, and I suppose that's part of that's part of what this is about. I mean, what is Jen? What is the vulnerable fundraiser? Or, or no, what is a vulnerable fundraiser? So, a vulnerable fundraiser is someone who is approaching their work with a kind of curiosity as opposed to a predefined set of who they are and what they're doing. I think all of us can take a page from learning how to kind of step back and consider where we're at and what we're doing. And part of that is about being vulnerable to how we're all doing right now in this weird, complicated, uncertain, unexpected, all the words we always use, time. Um, all the unwords? All the unwords, un yeah, all the unwords. But I mean, you, you've, I mean, I'm, I'm new to the vulnerable world in a way, in a way, but no, no I, I'm all, I've always, I've always struggled <laughs> with my emotions and I've always, you know, been pretty, pretty open and stuff like this, but in a <laughs> formal way, you've been, you've been talking about vulnerability in fundraising way before COVID, like you've been, yes. you, you present on this and you talk about this and I, I'm a, I feel like I'm a bit late to the, late to the party. Um, but it's, it's a thing that you and I talk about a lot, isn't it? About being human, being open and, and the, the benefits it brings, does it bring benefits or is it just like, this is just, this is, a, this is a struggle. Well, so, I mean, yes and no. I mean, so is there a benefit to talking about what's happening with all of us and how we're doing? Yes. Is it a struggle? Yes. Um, and also, even once, and I've been exploring this work for the last year or so, kind of on my own and with Stephen Screen in Seattle and a number of others, um, both in terms of speaking at conferences and putting out material about this kind of work. Um, but really, it, it is a, it's an acknowledgement. I think all of this work is an, is an acknowledgement that, that yes, talking about how we're doing and what's happening is important and helps us, but there's, there's multiple sides to this. Um, and, you know, right now during COVID, I think a lot of fundraisers are suddenly dealing with the fact that they're not only working their same difficult, tiring, endless jobs, but now we're doing it in our own homes, which, and you know this about me, is that I've been working from home for 20 years. So I'm very used to creating my own boundaries around like, it's time for work to be over and home life or other life to start. Um, but I can see and hear in from a lot of the fundraisers that I'm talking to that these lines are suddenly in COVID very blurry. Like there's, you can always go to your computer and do a little bit of work or pick up the phone and call a few donors or update that piece that you've been meaning to do. Like the nonprofit sector relies on people who work constantly. 
and work Oof. constantly. Don't you yeah. think? Like, yeah, oh, yeah, even, yeah. But it was just like four it, times. It's just such a brutal truth, isn't it's it? It's a brutal that truth. it's like it's an assumption. It's an assumption you're gonna you work like 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 a contracted hours. You know, you know when people start working a charity and it's like, what's your contracted hours? It's irrelevant because it's, totally it's like because it's like nobody nobody does that. So yeah, I mean from from the start, even before COVID, fundraisers had that had a real difficulty um, uh, distinguishing between work and not work because it's because you pour your heart into it. And at least when you were going to a shitty charity office, you could go and then leave. And of course, you're bringing stuff with you and you're answering your email, but at least there was a container. And I think that part of what COVID has exposed is this, this newer version of fundraisers who are literally always working and boundaries get really complicated when you're working from home and you're also parenting or you're also dealing with your spouse or your relatives or whatever version of caring you're doing during COVID. We're all doing some version of that. And, and I think it's so even in the before times when, as you just said, people would get their contractual, this is how often I work or how much I work. Even when we did work overtime, who got, no, no one gets paid for overtime. So you take time off, which you can't take because you don't, you can't leave your job. So that, so fundraising has always been a, a little bit in this hamster wheel of constant work that's always there, never being sure how to leave behind your work without feeling the guilt of kind of like, well, many of us are volunteers and we're doing this without getting paid. Um, so all of these lines are getting blurrier and blurrier in COVID. Um, and so the vulnerable fundraiser is a chance for us to talk about some of that stuff and understand it even in our own lives as much as we can as friends and colleagues who are here to help and support each other. You and I do this anyway. So that's kind of the thinking behind this is that, isn't it time that we talk about all this stuff? And even if we talk about it and it makes it a little bit better for someone else who's coming down the line or makes us understand our boundaries a little more. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's like one of the things I love about you and 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 the way we talk is we very much find our feet together i think in that like we we clumsily talk around something until we kind of settle on it and i and that's where i feel like this vul vulnerability vulnerability in fundraising weirdly is new like i find mm -hmm. like it's new like we've always been sh talking about emotion and we've also always been talking about how we present it but about our organization and I think about about us as fundraisers, as humans, I think this is a new thing. And, and I think it started like last year when we started talking about mental health and more people speaking at conferences about mental health. You have people like Claire Warner doing amazing stuff around like Charity Well, Leah Eustace talking about that stuff. But it, I feel like there's a next step to it which is yeah about it's about mental it's about the internal mental health but it's also how you bring it to the table and and one of the things covid has done in a weird way has like broken is this the right phrase broken the fourth wall mm. where it, or, i don't think that's the right phrase but you you know whereas you where you could you could separate church and church and state before you could separate work and home life to a certain extent and and like you say we always struggle with that 
but now it's like literally every work meeting you see my house you know yeah. and every work meeting you know someone's kids is in there you can no longer pretend you don't have kids and I, I know fundraisers who they don't like to talk about their kids they don't like to almost even acknowledge that they have kids because it it um it can jeopardize their professional life especially for women it's obviously you know there's a lot of discrimination around that about being a, a mother and i think it's like now you have you've been forced to show your hand you've been forced to show your vulnerability and all the cracks in your life and so yes to all that and, and i agree with you that you and i clumsily do this and we kind of figure it out as we go i like the yes to all that <laughs> but the other is but that the how other you talk part, to your kids? Yeah, of course, and my spouse. Uh, but the other, but the other whole part of that conversation is also that we're doing this under duress because yeah. anybody who works in the nonprofit sector is terrified. As and I shouldn't minimize this experience for anyone else, but how safe is my job? How safe is my charity? What am I going to be doing in yeah. the next six months? What's going to change? So not only are we confronting a number of these issues and questions that have been floating around and circling around forever, but now we're doing it under yeah. a, a kind of a weird timeline because it's happening now, but we don't know when it's going to end. And Ugh. so all of those things have kind of, and, and I, I want to come go back to what you were just saying about how this has sort of been vulnerability is relatively new. And I think some of these concepts and some of the language that we have is relatively new, but I do think that there has been a pretty consistent thread through most of my fundraising career, which is now 20 years old, about authenticity and about, um, you know, challenging some of the ways in which our leadership structures work, our board structures work, our executive structures work. And none of that is divorced or different from the idea of vulnerable fundraising. But the reason I like talking about vulnerable fundraising and vulnerable fundraisers is because it's not just about who we're bringing to the table and whether we're showing up as our true selves and whether we're being authentic in our daily lives, which is the mental health self-care part of it. But there's also the reality that we need to be thinking about or talking about or acknowledging vulnerability within our own fundraising programs mm -hmm. and you know really sitting down with a donor and saying things are scary and uncertain and i'm worried and i know you care about this organization deeply and i need to express to you how what's happening here yeah. and COVID has also exposed that, that there are many organizations that are afraid of that. They're afraid of really sitting down and asking for what we need as organizations. And so vulnerability straddles both of those kind of camps for me. It's got the personal self-care, who am I, how am I doing, how am I showing up to work, and what does that mean, and what do I need to do about that? And also, how are we actually working with our donors and our organizations and what's happening there, what's right about it, what's wrong about it and how can we make it better? And so I, and I vulnerability think, for me covers all that. And I think, I think that's, you know, you know, this is, this is a meandering first episode, um, <laughs> you know, and we hope people will, will join us for future ones. But I think, I think that's, I think you've hit it there that that's what the vulnerable fundraiser is, is it's, it's, it's vulnerability across, 
different areas. So we talk about, you know, vulnerability or authenticity as ourselves. And maybe we talk about it, about communicating as a human when we write our DM packs. We talk about, you know, our employer and an employee relationship and how we how we balance that. But there's a theme running through all of those which go, I actually think it goes beyond authenticity and 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 maybe I'll ask, I want to ask that in a second is what's the difference between authenticity and vulnerability. But I think running across all that where where you and I have bonded over the years and where and the and the bond that has run through everything we talk about is vulnerability. So vulnerability in our how we talk to our donors, vulnerability in how we talk to our employer, vulnerability in our public speaking, vulnerability in our home life. And, and I guess, am I right in saying this? Our belief is it's a good thing. Our yes. belief is that vulnerability brings something to all these things, that you will be a better fundraiser, a better employer, employee, a better lover, a better um, uh, public speaker, a better friend. You'll be a better everything if you acknowledge and embrace the vulnerability. Is that, I mean, that's that's the hypothesis maybe that you and I am putting forward. Yes, yes, and the second yes. half of that is that is that it, it also, vulnerability also requires, and this is my own personal exploration in my own gen love, not gen love agent of good, but gen love life, is that by expanding and opening my mind to these concept of concepts of vulnerability, I've also had to be, become much clearer about my own boundaries. And so I think it, what the downside of embracing a kind of a vulnerability approach is that you dive into this deep well of kind of like, well, I guess I'll just always be open and curious and courageous and constantly inviting and asking the universe and the people around me for feedback and for emotional engagement and for better understanding, but you also have to draw boundaries around that. Because being, uh, and this is, as you said, this is a meandering first episode and we can dive into some of the specifics about some of these details as we go, but embracing and acknowledging vulnerability, yes, I think is something that will make us better fundraisers, better coworkers, better spouses, better parents, better children, better friends. But I also think it comes with the responsibility of saying, okay, if I'm going to tackle some of these questions and ask myself and the people around me difficult and complicated and awkward questions, um, then I also need to be prepared to say, this is, there are, I'm unpacking a lot and how is that making me feel? And is this causing more harm than it's doing? And so there's a nuance there to being able to be encouraging everybody to just dive into everything that they could do immediately into vulnerability would be just as risky as encouraging everybody to dive into anything without doing it thoughtfully and carefully and understanding that this is a deep well and that while we've been doing this and talking about this for a number of years, it's all still new in different ways for all of us at different times. And I suppose it always will be because, because as you, you know, as humans, we're evolving and growing, hopefully growing and learning and, and the vulnerability that comes with that is ever changing. 
but it's just it's just messy isn't it like life is messy it is, very messy. You... It is it's a hot fucking mess but you know what it's better than it's better Sorry. than numbing it it's it's better than you no know, i do you know it's funny and i th i think and this is why this is part of why i'm like this is a hypothesis because because i'm i suppose i'm not 100 percent convinced like i'm i'm all in i'm all in on like sharing my mental health struggles i'm all in on like you know telling people when i'm shit and when i feel shit and 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 all this and i think it's good for me and i think it's good for my life but i see the other side of it and i i remember like i mean a, you know a big thing that i always talk about is is my dad dying and the impact it's had on me and i remember my sister saying to me you know because i i like go you know I, I carried on therapy and stuff like that medication and my sister being like no nah, i think i'm just going to suppress it all and it was like <laughs> and it's like actually that sounds way easier and way cheaper than yeah. like therapy and medication and and it's like maybe maybe i could just bide my time until i die you know and just kind of hide from all these things until i die you know, that's that's not not necessarily the life I want to live. But dealing with your shit is it's heavy. Like who's time for it? And you go to the therapist and then it comes out and then you realize there's other stuff and it's like I'm busy. And fighting uphill battles at work about wanting to be more vulnerable and open Ugh. and honest and emotional with our donors is also hard and difficult. So Simon, I totally agree with you because I think that there yeah. there is something to be said for the for the numbing part of it. But, but what we know about numbing is that when you numb one thing, you numb it all. So if you decided in the, in, in the situation where you're talking about with your dad, if you, just, if you had decided to take the path, if I could just suppress it and you know, I'm just not gonna deal with it, that would probably have been an effective strategy, but it would have also numbed you to your life with your son. And it would have numbed you to your personal relationships and it so amazing well, that's one of the things that dr Brené Wait, brown you're saying, that, you're saying that's a bad thing <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the things that dr Brené brown who's been a big part of Ugh. my reading and exploration of this which we'll get to i know i hear you no I, I love her as well but it's just like ugh, do we have to keep it's all a little bit anyway but 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 one of the things that she has that she has said repeatedly is about this concept of numbing and if 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 we decide yeah. to numb some things then we do numb at all and if you numb the pain about what's happening with your work, then isn't that also translating to you numbing other things that are happening at home or in your life or with your family or with your country or with your politics? Um, well, well, you see those people all the time, don't you? Who have who have, whether they've consciously or subconsciously, they've checked <laughs> they've checked out emotionally. Checked out. You know, most I, I reckon anyone who's interested in this this listening or watching this. They probably have a boss like that, you know. They're dealing mm -hmm. with that shit, or, or someone, or yeah. had, or or a partner, a husband, or a yeah. wife, or you know, we all have people in our life who just don't, who are just robots, and 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 we, you know, me and you, we checked in uh, last week, or or whenever it was, um, with that IOF session with Emily Petty, you know, who we have to get on on at some stage. Um, but you know, some of the stats she was sharing and some of the stats other people share about like your employer, just not giving a shit really, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm, um, summarizing or whatever, um, that that's not what the survey said, but there's, you know, that, that really like a lot of bosses, they don't want to know this and they don't want to get, 
you know, they they think you should be professional and then you should go home and deal with it. Um, mm -hmm. So there's like, it's one thing for for us or anyone listening to to be like, okay, I'm all I'm all into this, but you're still going to be surrounded by people who are like, that's unprofessional, that's inappropriate, that's just creepy. I don't I don't want to know anything about you. Well, and I think so. I want to stop you right there because okay. I think that that even if you haven't had that very specific or even if you had that kind of experience of of feeling fear of judgment or criticism from a boss or a former boss or a spouse, um, which some of us have had, but I think everyone can relate to the smaller version of vulnerability, which is going to your boss or going to your board and saying, I think we really need to run an emergency or a shortfall appeal because we're facing a shortfall situation and we need yeah. to reach out to our donors and do our best. And how many of us have had an executive say, well, are we is it gonna sound unprofessional if we tell yeah. our donors that we're not where we wanna be? And so like, yeah. no matter where you're diving into this, whether you're diving into this as someone who's saying, fuck, I just had that conversation and my employer just said, well, I want you to rejig this email or this phone script or this DM pack because it sounds too pleading, it sounds too needy, yeah. we don't sound professional. Yeah. That's, that's a smaller version of the larger vulnerability conversation, which all comes in the same place of people feeling like we're in a position where we can't ask for help or we can't reach out to our employer or to our donors or to the people around us or to our spouse because we're afraid that what they're gonna say is, what's the matter with you? Like, yeah. you didn't run your organization well enough and now you suddenly realize you're in a shortfall? Well, isn't that on you? Which yeah. no donor has said. It, <laughs> it's like that, fear, it's... That, that fear and that judgment and that, that fear of criticism, fear of judgment, fear of appearing unprofessional, that is the, glue that holds this whole conversation together whether it's about our fundraising or whether it's about us as people this comes down to a place of fear of saying i'm afraid of being judged i'm afraid of being considered unprofessional i'm afraid of being criticized therefore i won't bring this forward or i won't suggest this and that's what we need to check that's the that little piece of fear is the bit that we need to check and that's what i hope the vulnerable fundraiser will do it's like it's it's an appearances thing as well i think that's that's a crucial theme there which which we'll unpack, which is about this keeping up appearances that it's like, you know, every company, every company, every charity, every organization, it looks from the outside, it looks, okay, they've got their shit together. And, you know, I've had what, 40 jobs in my life, 50 jobs, you know, and working with different organizations, they're all a shit show. It's all a you know, you're, it's yeah, you, you're kind of all a mess. And it's the same with people, you know, you see like professional speakers, you see CEOs and stuff, you know, and they all look like they've got it together and they all present themselves. But, you know, they've all shat their pants one day, you know, and they've all like, they've all been rejected because of their freaky, whatever they're into. And, and you know, they're all fucked up. And it's just like, why, why do we keep pretending or why do we have to keep pretending we've got it together when we know every nobody has it together, I don't know. Or do we? Know, maybe we don't know. I don't know. So maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Maybe we just talked ourselves out of it. That's yeah. entirely possible. Um, well, I mean, that's the important thing, I suppose. And I suppose that's that's the podcast world. Is nobody has answers. We just have lots of questions. And so, 
it's important. You know, I want to hear from people who consider themselves vulnerable or wish they could be more vulnerable, wish they could be more human and are struggling with it. And it's like, how do we change this movement knowing or theorizing that it's good it's good for our mental health it's good for our soul it's good for our relationships but it's good for our bottom line as well you know but fundraising is better when we're human we know that and and so how do we start to get people to absorb that and 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 what's really crazy is that the private sector in their advertising and in their marketing are overtaking us in vulnerability they're trying to get more they've trying to move their needle in the opposite direction yeah they're yes. like you know we're selling a car we switch we, we, and, we pass and things are tough sometimes yeah. yeah and we're we're like trying to we're trying to keep on you know look how cool we are and stuff and it's like and then tesco's and supermarkets and microsoft and stuff they're all about you know single dance look crying how quirky and yes. you know awkward we are yeah, yeah. totally so it's like, are we getting, are we going to get left behind? Because we always get left behind. But are we, you know, is this something that w that we really need to start talking about, investing in, and and um, taking on board? You know, like using in our in our professional life as well. Yeah, and I think you know another part of the exploration that that I've been doing and some of what. Another back to Dr. Brene Brown and her work. Ugh. One of the things that she <laughs> no, <laughs> this is this could be a theme. Um, one of the things that she talks about is the stories that we tell ourselves, and yeah. um, whether it's in our personal lives or whether it's in our professional lives, we all every day walk around telling ourselves stories about about who we are, about how we're engaging with our world, and about you know the the whole stories of us, mm. and. Those are entirely filtered through our own lenses. And she gives, Brene Brown gives an excellent example in one of her books about, um, it's, it's, a, it's a story about her at home and she sort of comes into the kitchen one day and her husband is standing in front of the fridge with the fridge doors open and looks into the fridge and says, there's no food. Oh, what a dickhead. Um, so she says, come on, man, like I'm doing my best here. Yeah. And he turned to her and said, that was not a judgment call. I could have stopped for groceries on my way home yesterday too. And I didn't, this isn't, you know, that's then it became a conversation around like he was oh, not. God. I say, I say that house is a barrel of laughs. <laughs> but the story she told herself was that her husband opened the fridge, looked inside yeah. and said, There's yeah. no food. my wife is failing me. That's what she heard. But the story he was telling himself, the story that was real was he opened the fridge and said, I just want a sandwich and there's no food. So in the charitable sector, we tell ourselves a lot of stories about beeping. Hang no, on. no, it's fine. It's fine. So we tell ourselves stories about the organizations we work for, you know, it's harder to raise money for, it's easier to raise money for cats than it is for you know, yeah. kids. Yeah. We tell ourselves all these stories. And why do we tell ourselves these stories? Where do they come from? Who started them? Are they based in any kind of evidence? Yeah. Is there an answer? Does she have an answer? The answer is you need to unpack why you're bringing yourself to that story. And when, when, when the husband opens a fridge and says there's no food, that's as much about her as it is about him. And so when applying that to the charitable sector, when we say things to ourselves like it's way harder to raise money for my cause than it is for that other cause across the street, that's a story that we're telling ourselves. 
that yeah. may or may not be true. Yeah, I mean, we're, like, what is it? We're just not. We're just dumb. Like we're we're un, we're very unreliable narrators in our own lives. As I as I've said before, it's like we're very bad judges of ourselves. Like it's like mm-hmm. what are we using two two percent of our brain power? But it feels like a lot less. <laughs> and it just it's just like yeah. I mean, one like one of the one of the greatest things in in my career was to realize. And, and maybe this is this is an advocate advocation for vulnerability is to realize that I am wrong at judging myself that I'm 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 on you know that what I think about myself does not line up with what other people think of myself I mean public speaking is a really good one every time before I go on stage to do a presentation ev- everything about in my head is telling me I'm shit I don't belong to be there everyone hates me this is gonna be awful yada 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 and and then the feedback is always good and for years now i cannot convince myself otherwise i i've I've managed to get to the point where i can override my voice temporarily and get myself up on stage but you know that's run that that runs through every aspect of my life i imagine and and through everyone's aspect of their lives that they they reflect on themselves and they think they're not good enough that they're letting people down that all this stuff is going on and most people around them don't think that don't care and they're looking for something else so i mean is what is the solution and this is what we're going to discover in the vulnerable fundraiser is what is the solution because i don't and what's the solution and what's the solution for that particular problem today because this is not a this is a spectrum and i don't think we're going to ask and answer a bunch of questions and then suddenly we'll all be able to tick off our like checklist for yes i've done that work yes i'm better yes things are terrific for me now but you know as i have come to believe and embrace asking the questions regardless of whether you know exactly where the answer is going to lie is a very worthwhile exercise and i think you know just going back to the point you just made about public speaking I know, you know that I see myself in that story. I feel the same way every time. I, why am I doing this? Who's paying me to do this? I think they're charging, I've charged too much. No one's going to be happy. Uh, that is excellent, but then you get that one comment. Yeah. And it, it railroads you. It does for me. And so one of the things that I've started, one of the stories I've started to tell myself is in every room, or in every experience, there's going to be somebody who doesn't like you and doesn't like what you have to say. And that's okay. And you're going to see that on the feedback. You're going to see that one evaluation form that is scrawled across, you know, what so dumb, heard all this before, it's cold in here, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell myself the story that they then went to the bathroom, slipped over and cracked their head (laughs) on the urinal and are now dead. That's my story. But it is, I mean, the vulnerability that, I mean, that's, that, okay, that's, that's because we have to wrap up soon, because I think that's maybe one of the big problems with vulnerability is that, you know, you can put yourself out there and, and tell yourself things will be great. You can put yourself out there and tell yourself, but there is still negative shit comes back to you. You, We do mess up. We do make a dick of ourselves. We do have someone who judges us badly. And when you're, when you're vulnerable, you're really vulnerable. And then you have to and then you have to do the hard work of saying, 
oh man, that sucked. And that I set myself up for that. My expectations were high. Now I'm hurt. But what am I going to do about that? Oh like, God, that's. I know. So maybe we should. I'm yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not able to. I feel like. I mean, you're substantially <laughs> older than me. I feel like you've got oh, gone through a lot of this journey, and I think, I think together, I think together we're going to figure it out. I think together we're going to figure it out too. You can't make old jokes the whole time. That's going to get really fucking old, really fucking fast. Do you feel vulnerable about it? <laughs> no, I feel ragey about it. Okay, the raging fundraiser. <laughs> <laughs> but what it okay. comes down to is asking the questions, right? What this comes down to yeah. is that you and I are going to ask each other some questions. We're going to ask ourselves some questions. Yeah. We're going to ask other smart people around us some questions. And the thing about committing to a vulnerable fundraiser life is asking the questions, even when it's awkward. Oof. Yeah, we'll do that. So we're going to, we're going to be asking things about uh, moving away from empathy in fundraising. Yes, and, and what people talk about that we're going to be talking about old power and new power. We're talking about um, just in terms of um, you know is vulnerability good for business or not? Is it a is it a privileged thing? Can only certain people be vulnerable? It's all those kind of things. And we're going to have guest stars uh, in Jen's family who just stroll in <laughs> and start chatting. So that was my teenage son who has a very important. Tell him to get back to work on my Twitter joke. <laughs> <laughs> Five good Twitter jokes this week. But we're also going to talk about um, some specific and practical things around what happens if we apply vulnerable practices to our fundraising. What happens if tomorrow you go back to your office and you rewrite that appeal that's sitting on your desk and make it a more vulnerable one? What's yeah. that experience like? Not only what's that experience like for you as a fundraiser, but how does that play on your results? What happens? And we have a couple of case studies for a few different organizations that we can unpack down the road too. So it's, I, I would definitely, I actually want to listen to that episode is like a journey of like, yeah. What does it look like on a practical level and what happens? What is, what, what is this? What is this? Okay. Let's do it. So if anyone is watching or listening and wants to um, uh, share their thoughts, please do get in touch with me and Jen. You can share anonymously. If you're going mm -hmm. through anything in work um, around the, this area, which you you know you want to hear some thoughts on, and you don't want to expose yourself, or if you have a lot of stuff to say um, very very openly, then we would love to hear from you. Um, but we're going to be back every once in a while to talk about vulnerability in our sector, and uh, and we hope you can join us because we we both have so much self doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we have, we have reinforcing <laughs> self-doubt. Simon and I yeah. go through these stages of supporting and nurturing each other and then yeah. slowly cutting each other down. And really yeah, something. so I mean, this whole thing could just be a downward spiral or it could be <laughs> uh, a, a really productive journey. So let's see. Let's see. We're open right. to it, right? Asking the questions and staying open to it. Yeah, let's do it. Well, Jen, it's been lovely to chat to you. Um, you I hope you. I hope you're doing okay. I hope you look after yourself. I will try. Same to you. I hope you get some more books okay. that make you look smart. I'm trying. I'm struggling to find any. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you. Until next time. Take care, Jen. Adios. Bye.